All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 180 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. There's a little pause there. I wasn't sure we were on. It's classic. I'm just staring at the screen. Frank, how you doing? I'm good, Jason. This episode 180 is presented by Athletic Brewing. I'm embarking on a journey this January with Athletic Brewing, and I want you to join me. Jai January is going to be a breeze with Athletic's lineup of craft, non-alcoholic beers. They've got a range of IPAs, Golden, Cervezas, and a rotation of seasonals. My favorite so far is the Upside Dawn Golden. It tastes a bit like a lager and uh, certainly a great aftertaste as well. So stock up for Dry Jan and join me using my promo code FRANK20 for 20% off your first purchase at athleticbrewing.ca until January 31st and give Dry a try. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all face-offs, fit for all times. I like it. And uh, speaking of fit, our guest later on today, uh, Brooks Like, will be uh, joining us. Uh, I think they should be the poster family for athletic brewing. I mean, honestly, between Brooks and his girlfriend, who we talk about in the pod, Katrin, um, she's one of the the best CrossFitters on the planet, and Brooks still in shape himself. Man, uh, that'd be uh, that's the perfect spot for athletic brewing. 
Yeah, I would think so. So uh, we look forward to that. We'll have some stories. Brooks actually played the third most games as a teammate of Alex Ovechkin. Only Backstrom and Carlson played with uh, Ovi Moore. So uh, he should have some good tales about Ovechkin. And and that's a little bit of the storyline this week, Frank, as uh, he chases down Gordie Howe, which is, you know, that in itself. And then, uh, you know, he ties him with one goal, passes him with two, and then it's on to Wayne Gretzky. And, and it just seems inevitable that during the 24-25 season, the uh, the great eight is going to pass the great one in goals. And, Bookmark and, it. And push Two years from right now, two calendar years from right now is when Alex Ovechkin is going to be breaking that record. Just think about the media. The, obviously, there will be excitement in the in the market uh, place in Washington and and. You know, the Caps and their owner, Ted Leonsis, had made it clear that they wanted to sign Alex Ovechkin to a long-term deal. Obviously, he's meant so much to the franchise, but they knew this chase was coming. I wonder if it's going to be kind of like the home run chases that we've seen in years past as Barry Bonds was closing in on uh, Hank Aaron and others. Uh, You know, is that one of those things where media are just going to be traveling to Ovi's games for a while once he gets close to see if he does it? Oh, I would think so. Same as Wayne Gretzky. I remember when Gordie Howe was, it was a different uh, was time fought. then, though. Yeah, very different time, right? Like now there's private jets. It's a lot easier. But uh, knowing Gretzky, and he's such a historian of the game, and Wayne's been on record as saying he wants Obi to beat the record. And I firmly believe, like, I don't think that's just him saying it. I firmly believe it. Um, you know, it meant a lot to him. He, I remember he told the story about, you know, when Gordie Howe said, hey, man, it's okay. Because Wayne almost felt a little odd you know that was his hero and and I don't know if Gretzky was ever Ovechkin's hero or not but you know it was a big deal for Wayne so I think he'll want to be there to 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 congratulate him and it's a huge huge moment I'm sure as Ovechkin you know in a few years will will appreciate it even more and it's it's going to be a massive story everybody's going to be following it as they should I think it's a it's a stat that's remarkable that nobody thought was possible yeah, and the Howe family, of course, is watching as well. Uh, Mark Howe was in touch with uh, Alex Ovechkin in the last week, basically saying, go get it. We're all proud of you. Uh, Mr. Hockey, Gordy would have been proud of you and certainly would have been watching. And so uh, love to see something like that as well. You, you know, you think about the home run chases and there was always the Maris family there in the first row kind of waiting for Mark McGuire to take a swing at it. Um, this is it's similar but different. And I, I love that about the hockey world. And the crazy thing is, if you if you remove Ovechkin, then you look and say, okay, like, is there anybody that could even get to 800? Like, not even 900, because that's what always going to be at. Like, could Matthews or Drysaddle? They're the two other best goal scorers in the game right now. And uh, I know people say, you know, on a on a you know uh, Matthews at a per game rate is higher. Yeah, but he's missed more games, right? So that's that's the factor. And and he also Ovechkin didn't come in the NHL right away either, right? He was late birthday, and then he waited. And what's great about it because a lot of people say, well, what if he? Ovechkin's on record as saying, Frank, he wouldn't have come over during that lockout. He, he wasn't planning to come over in 0405. He wanted to stay in Russia. And I believe him because Malkin stayed two years after being drafted. Well, the, the only person that would have been in the 800s that didn't get a chance to get there was Yager. And he spent those three years in his career playing in, in Russia that I wonder, you know, between ages 35 and 39, he's at 766 right now. And, and oddly enough, just restarted his playing career again at the age of 50 uh, for his hometown team that he owns in Kladno, Czechia. Um, He's at 766. You'd have to think with three additional seasons plus one loss to the lockout in 05-06, that's four. He'd be well north of 800. 
the funny thing about Ovechkin is, and, and our Matt Larkin actually wrote a great piece this week on dailyfaceoff.com about it. Um, forget 895, the record breaker. He thinks Ovechkin can get to 1,000 before this five-year contract is up. And I think it's pretty confident to say that if he's able to get that far, I don't think that record's ever going to be broken. Yeah, no, that would that would be mind-blowing. The great part about it is that offense is coming back in the NHL. And, uh, you know, for far too long, there wasn't the emphasis on it. I, I think there's there's more skill coming involved. I, I think there's fewer defensive defensemen also. I think that the, the plays a factor in, in the type of defenseman you want. You want puck movers. You want guys who can carry the puck. You want guys who can move the puck. You don't just have the stout defensive guys anymore. And that's not a bad thing. And so I think that just leads to more chances, uh, which is outstanding. Uh, on the pod today, uh, in buy or sell later on, we're going to get to the uh, the Metro Division because, man, uh, what a race it's become all of a sudden. New Jersey, after a killer start, is suddenly now tied uh, with Carolina. Uh, we'll also get into uh, the odd decision of John Tortorella to uh, to bench his uh, leading, you know, one of his top guys and in, in Kevin Hayes. We'll get to uh, all of that, Frank. But uh, let's welcome in to the pod, Brooks Lutt. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And now we're very excited to welcome to the DFO rundown, a former NHLer, played 776 NHL games over a 14-year NHL career with the Washington Capitals mainly, also had a short stint with the Maple Leafs, the LA Kings, and started his career, some might not remember, with the Ottawa Senators back in 2003-2004, the DFO rundown. Welcomes to the show, Brooks Like. Brooks, how you doing, my man? I'm wonderful, guys. Jason, Frank, thank you for having me. I don't get to talk, uh, don't get to talk a lot of hockey anymore, so I'm looking forward to this. 
Oh, hey, we're happy to have you. Living in Coeur d'Alene now. So um, now, are, so you're not, are you playing like men's league pickup hockey at all? Or are you done? I have the truth be told in full transparency. I have not touched the ice since the morning that I last skated with the Los Angeles Kings practice that morning. Rob Blake gave me a call, said, come to the office. And I kind of knew what was up. And that was the last time that I put on my hockey gear. Do you, will you ever put it on again? I think so. Yeah, I definitely want to. Um, I'm not sure in which facet, how I want to get back into it. I have no desire really to play men's league. Like once you've played, once you've played with and against the best in the world, like after I was done hockey, I found out that I was addicted to the competition in hockey. I wasn't so much addicted to the sport. I love the sport. I could still go play the sport. However, without that Uber competition, it doesn't hold the same appeal to me. So I found other ways in my life to express that competition and other areas in my life. Um, but I do miss, I do miss the sport and I'm sure I will, it will find me again or I will find it. So what are, before we get to the sport itself, uh, what are some of the things in your life now that itch that, that scratch that competitive itch? A couple things. Um, I still train an immense amount. Um, I love the sport of CrossFit. So I, I do a lot of CrossFit. My girlfriend is a two-time CrossFit Games champion. Uh, I get to train alongside her quite often. So I get to I get to be physical. I love um, – I figured this out long ago. I love physical activity, intense physical activity married with human interaction. So that was hockey, right? Um, but also now I get that with CrossFit. So I train a lot of CrossFit with my girlfriend, Katrin. We do that. And then I also, um, business is a, is a competitive outlet for me as well. So I run a, an adventure community called world playground where I take people around the world on bucket list adventures. And I'm trying to build the best adventure community in the world. So that's an Ooh. intense, uh, competitive outlet, different than the sport of hockey, but still a competitive outlet for me. So Brooke, what's it like, you know, you mentioned the competitive part and, and you still train a lot, but I mean, you mentioned your girlfriend, Katrin, Katrin David's daughter. If, if people aren't familiar, she's kind of like one of the Wayne Gretzky's of, of CrossFit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she's in your house. So like, what, what's it like not even being the most fit person in your house? Oh man. Um, it's, it's awesome. I mean, she is a phenomenal athlete. Um, she is so inspiring to me and to, to, it's really cool for me because I get to be in the presence of greatness and I get to be around her doing her thing in her sport. Whereas people can't be around the Edmonton Oilers and go practice with Connor McDavid on a daily basis, you know, like there's just not that access to hockey players like there is in CrossFit. So, um, yeah, she quite often, well, more than quite often, um, stomps me in workouts, <laughs> but, uh, including this morning, but it's, it's wonderful. Uh, she pulls me up and we have a, a fantastic time training together. So you mentioned also the other uh, off-ice activities, including the bucket list travel and, and getting people out there and, and meeting people. Do you, do you miss hockey? I mean, I know you said you packed it away and you put your skates away and, and that was it. Do you still watch hockey? Do you talk to hockey people or have you kind of just moved on? A little bit of both. Um, I don't watch a tremendous amount. I'm still very informed on standings players, um, just what's going on in the league. I'm still very informed, but I don't sit and watch 
uh, hockey like I used to. I used to watch two games a night when I was playing, watch the next two teams we were going to play. I would watch their previous games or their most current games. So I used to watch just a ton of hockey when I was playing. And now um, I prefer to watch more like nature shows and documentaries, stuff like that, travel shows. Um, adventure shows, that kind of stuff. So I'm informed on hockey, but I have moved on. Sometimes when I'm watching hockey, it feels like I'm looking back. Oddly enough, it feels like I'm looking back in life versus forward in life. Um, so it's it's really been interesting. I I really miss competing with in the with the best in the world, with and against the best in the world. Like that's the biggest part of um, of what I miss about the sport is competing with the and against the best in the world, but um, still very informed and still um, up to date on what's going on, including my good buddy Ovi scoring his 800 the other night. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to get in. We're going to yeah. get into Ovi in a second. I do want to ask you though, CrossFit training. I did CrossFit for a long time, obviously not at the level of a year catcher or anybody like that, but um, the, the physical, like I was in the best shape of my life when I did it. How do you compare the training for CrossFit to NHL? Uh, very different. I mean, NHL training, you are legs and lungs. So you're single leg explosive power, right? So the, the bulk of your, your time in the gym is your, it's your agility, your single leg explosive power, um, vertically, laterally, horizontally, every, everywhere you want to go and agility with that. So your legs, uh, supreme stamina with, uh, your lungs and then core. And then you try and build a little bit of an upper body, some shoulders, a little bit to give and receive contact, but that's your bread and butter is your legs and lungs. So when I was finally done hockey, I'm like, Oh my God, finally, I can do something other than just single leg plyometric bounding. Um, I get to do some Olympic lifting. I get to do like some chin-ups and some, just some other things, but there was actually components. I started drawing components from CrossFit for my hockey training back in 2015. It was a first time 2014 actually was the first time I found CrossFit um overhead squatting just some of some of the mobility stuff that CrossFitters had that benefited would have benefited hockey players I found out that my shoulders were so rolled forward that I couldn't even overhead squat a barbell now if I'm that far rolled forward that pulls my head and my chin forward maybe I take contact on my chin instead of having proper posture and receiving that contact on my shoulder so there were certain elements from CrossFit where I'm like, oh, this is actually brilliant. Let me pull this into my sport-specific training. But then when I was done with hockey, I was like, okay, I get to do all of these other kinds of components of training um, that I was very excited for. And now it's my, it's my daily fitness regimen now. Now, uh, let's get into uh, your buddy, uh, Alex Ovechkin. You actually, uh, his teammates, uh, only Backstrom and Carlson have played more games as a teammate of Alex Ovechkin. Uh, so, you know, you're over 750, so uh, you were around for, for a lot of the stuff. Uh, you saw him when he first broke into the league, Brooks. So let's go way back to 2005, 2006. What is your first impression of a young Alex Ovechkin when he came to camp or maybe in the first game? Oh man. Um, it's a wonderful question, Jason. Um, he was kind of, he was, he was kind of naive in a beautiful way. Um, I don't know that he knew like 
as a Canadian kid coming in, you know, every single player, you know who they are, you know how good they are. And sometimes that's like limiting and you're like, Oh, this guy's really good. Like, I don't know that he knew a single goaltender or another or a defenseman or, or like who Scott Stevens was and that he should keep his head up around this guy. Like, I don't know that he knew a lot of that. And he just went out and just torched the league. Like, I think he scored 54. It was a 54 or 56 in his first year. 54, I think. Yeah. Um, there was no fear. Um, there was no nerves. There was uber excitement. Um, and he had supreme confidence, which I think is very difficult for young players coming, to, coming into the league to have that supreme confidence right away. And he had success early. I think he scored two goals in his first game and was off to the races. So he had success early. And then he was like, oh, I can, I can do this. I can play here. And then he was just... From there, he never looked back. I mean, he took the NHL, him and Sid that year, they took the NHL by storm coming out of the lockout. But what was different about Ovi when you, and, and really, I don't know if there'll be a guy like him. There's not many, well, 800 goal scorers, but not even 500 goal scorers who are as physical as he was early in his career, Brooks. Like this guy was shooting 500 shots a game and he was finishing the season with 250, 300 hits. Like you guys must yeah. have been like, this guy should have been born, you know, like in Canada and in, uh, in Western Canada, in Saskatchewan or something. Yeah, I don't know that there's ever been or ever will be just that supreme combination, right? Like, um, and and uh, he probably even had more hits than he's ever been given credit for. Boyd Gordon said somebody used, needs to leave the building on a stretcher in the Verizon Center for somebody to get a hit. So, like, over, uh, like. Ovi hit everything that moved his first three years. He shot every puck he had a chance for. He hit everything that moved and he was the most electrifying player that in the sport and still is to this day. But like, um, he's 240 pounds. He's, his wrists are huge. His calves are huge. His back, his legs, like he's huge. He shakes your hand. It's like a bear paw. It's just like, Boom. It's just like mass and weight. Um, and he uses a, like an 87 flex of a stick and a, a hook that like he uses a hook that I can't believe is legal and somehow, but like he has precision accuracy with this. It's impossible to read where the shot comes off of his stick. And trust me, I've stood in the front of the net forever when that guy's shooting pucks and I have no idea where it's going. Um, but he just, he loved to hit and he loved to shoot the puck and he was, he is world-class probably one of the, I don't know that his shot is, I think he's got the greatest shot the game has ever seen. And certainly I would put him in the top three all time in body checks. Just nobody ever knocks that guy over. He just knocks people over. Put a guy in the bench, but was it a bunting? Was a bunting that he put in the bench last night? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a machine. So yeah. Brooks, you were mentioning you just run some into of him those, on the ice, and he's. You were mentioning some of the physical attributes. I was going to say, take us in the weight room with Ovi. Take us in the training room. What's you know, what's what are his his off seasons like? What what's he into, and what makes him so good? Was he that into fitness, or was it just a big strong guy that was effortless in everything he did? A big, big, I think natural, big and strong. If you look at his mom and dad, both very big people, very, like very strong people. Comes from an athletic background. Um, his mom was Olympian. Um, comes from a back, athletic background. Does a bunch of single leg plyos as the rest of us. Um, it's really his legs are incredibly strong. His legs are just like 
tree trunks. And on the ice, when you run into O, you feel like he's rooted into the ground. You feel like he's a tree, like he's rooted into the ground, where the rest of us are like sitting on top of the ice and can be knocked over. He's just so solid on his skates. Um, the interesting thing is that his upper body is really, I remember watching him do 185 pounds on the bench press and like struggling and flailing to try and get it up. Like they're like, what's only 185 pounds. That's not that heavy. Oh, you weigh 240. But, um, he is just, his back is like, just like a silverback gorilla, his back, his hands, his wrists, his forearms. He's just a very big human in general. I mean, a big NHL D man was 220 pounds and he had 20 pounds on that guy. You know, like he's just a very, very big man. Crazy. Now we've seen him hit 800 goals and the chase has obviously been on, been something that we've been talking about for a long time in terms of chasing down number 99 and and being number one all time in goals. I was curious when you guys playing on the caps might've had any sort of sense that even something like this was possible or doable. Um, Great question, Frank. I don't know that I knew that it was doable when I was playing with him. Even when he hit 500, um, I don't think I knew probably until last year or the season before that it was doable because even, even at 500 goals, you still need eight more seasons of 50 goals a year. <laughs> to, to reach 900 like it's it's incredible it's incredible so you need to go 10 seasons of 50 goals and then once you're at 500 which is a monumental milestone in the league you're a hall of famer you hit 500 goals you need to go another eight seasons of 50 goals after that and just the way he's blown through the last couple of seasons because there was a time where it was like there was three or four seasons in a row there where it was like could you get to 50 anymore you know, there was like, he got to 50 the one year he was the only player that did it. And 51 was like winning the scoring race. And then you see, um, then I think things changed with the influx of younger defensemen. Younger defensemen weren't as physical. Um, they stick checked, they made more errors. However, they were great at moving a puck and added more offense, but they weren't just lockdown stay at home defensemen. And so I think scoring started to open up again more. Um, and then he started adding more to those totals. Now you're at the 55s, the 56s um, and consistently adding. And then the other thing that people or that people don't talk about, about Ovi, but that is remarkable is he's missed very few games out of the 1300 that he's played. Like yeah. his, his uh, longevity, his health, his consistency, like when the Washington Capitals, you get to watch Alex Ovechkin. Like he has missed very few games for how physical he is and how long he has played. It's exceptional. You know, so that's allowed those stats also to accrue. So Brooks, as you got to know Ovi, like everybody sees the on ice and you know the personality. I, I think the uh, the hot stick goal celebration was a classic that that everybody yeah. remembers. But I, I've talked to a few of his teammates, and and most of them said like it was hard not to love the guy because like he just he he's so energetic all the time. Is is that what you got? Like he was was he a good teammate all the time? Like was he that um, as as uh, jubilant? in the room as he, as he projected on the ice. Very much. Yes. He was always excited at the rink. He was always laughing. Um, he, he handled 
the way he handles himself is actually quite remarkable when I look back at it. Now, Jason, Frank, imagine if I told you guys, you just signed a $124 million contract. You are the captain of the team. You're expected to score 50 goals minimum heading into every single season. And you should win a Stanley Cup because the guy just down the road in Pittsburgh, he's won one. Like that's a tremendous amount of pressure for any human being to face every single year. Yet, and so if that's me, if that's if all of that weight is on me, dude, I'm the most super serious guy, and like I'm locked down. I'm super serious. I'm. I even had a even without all that pressure, I I had a nickname amongst some teammates, Brow Down Brooksy, because I was so serious all the time. <laughs> um, whereas Al was the complete opposite. He could laugh. He could like joke. He could goof around. He could, he was able to handle that immense pressure in almost like, in almost like I told you, he was very naive in some ways. It's, it's a blissful and beautiful. It's like a blissful ignorance of like what's going on around him. He's not even, I don't know if he understands the magnitude of it. And so he's able to laugh his way through it and handles it like that. And then, um, and then you see that that's just his personality in general, I think. And then you see that come out on ice as this boyish, goofy rock star that just like has fun on the ice and plays by a different set of rules than the rest of us. You know, if, if I tried to like do the hot little dance with my stick and the hot hand thing, I mean, somebody would take me and beat me up the next shift, but they're like, Oh, it's Ovi. It's okay. You know, he's such a personality. And I think for a sport, that is traditionally not a personality sport. He was wonderful in breaking that mold. So if you, you know, you go to Ovi and, you know, you talk about that pressure and you had, you had retired or well, you had moved on and you retired the year the Caps finally won. And I think it was Ovi's 13th yep. season. And I think like there's so much pressure now if you don't win in the first five years. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like most guys don't win early. I know Crosby and Kane kind of got lucky, but for the most part, it doesn't happen right away. You look at Hedman and Stamkos, right? Those guys were yep. 10 years in. But as a former teammate, when you were watching that, um, obviously you're super excited. Was there any like, God, I wish I was still there. Or are you one of those guys who's okay with, you know, what happens in life was meant to be? Uh, a little bit of both. DC had for a while, and certainly when I got there, there was this kind of woe is me um, sort of uh, attitude around town. The Redskins always got beat. All the Nats got beat. Like the sports town was a woe is me, other teams beat us thing. And I wanted to disrupt that. I wanted to break that. I wanted to win a championship in, in DC, not just for hockey, but to like break that mold of that other cities are better than us, which was a thought process that was going around DC at the time. Um, and certainly it perpetuated as we lost, you know, some playoff rounds and we lost to Pittsburgh. We lost to the Rangers. Certainly that attitude perpetuated in town a little bit. And then when the guys won it, I was so elated for the city of DC, for the fans of DC, for my friends that were still on the team, the guys that I had played with, for Ovi. It cements his legacy, right? It cements his legacy. And then I think you've seen him take off since then because that pressure isn't just mounted on him again. Um, it was mounting for years, for a decade plus, until they win one. And then I think he's 
found a new level of freedom and um, relaxation that has actually allowed him to improve his performance. Um, but I was so happy for the city of DC, so happy for the guys and the staff and people that I had been through a lot of hockey games with. Um, it was wonderful to watch and, um, you know, it would have been nice to be there, but even given my choice at that time, um, I had actually wanted to be playing in LA at that time, as much as I love DC, just a big part of my life. Uh, my spouse was in LA at that time. So even given the choice, I probably not would not have been in DC for that. And it wasn't my choice. I was traded, but even given the choice, I probably would have been in LA at that time. And you mentioned right off the hop, we were talking about the end of your career Brooks and you said Rob Blake had called you and you had a pretty good sense of what was coming. Did you know it was the end? Were, were you ready for it? I don't think I was ready for it. Um, but I kind of knew it was the end, uh, prior to the season. Um, I had wanted to, it was kind of LA or, or nothing for me just because, uh, at that time I was married and my wife lived in LA and that's where I wanted to be. And so I did not want to do long distance anywhere anymore. That's why I said it like LA was where I would have chose to be. And so Rob was like, well, we're, we're trying to go younger. We're seeing what we got here. Um, but come to camp. I went to camp without a contract. I stayed around for like a month or two after the season and still practiced without a contract. Um, and then I ended up signing a contract with the Kings. And then it was very much a gentleman's handshake deal. Like Rob was like, you know, our plans, but if we can fit you in, we would love to. And I said, Rob, great. I'm here. I'm going to show up to work every day until you tell me not to. And then, um, ended up playing a few months for the Kings. And then when I got the call from Rob, um, I knew what was up and Rob was a class act still is a class act told me straight to my face. And, uh, humans can take good news or bad news as long as it's honest and direct. And Rob was very classy, very direct with me. Um, in one way gave me the worst news potentially of my life up until that moment, but did it in an honest, straightforward manner. And I shook his hand at the end of the conversation after 10 minutes, thanked him for the opportunity and the way he handled it and still fondly reflect back on, on the class that he showed me man to man in that exchange. Brooks, a lot of guys struggle with what to do next. They don't know where to turn. Hockey's been there. Everything you clearly were yeah. someone that had outside interest the whole time while you were playing that maybe sort of helped assimilate you into, you know, quote unquote, civilian life a little bit easier than the rest of uh, some NHL players. But how, how did you know what to do first? What did you want to do first? And how has maybe your path since you stopped playing been different than maybe you might have imagined it? Um, great question, Frank. Um, I actually got some great advice prior to retiring from Steve Young. Steve, uh, quarterback, Steve Young. Um he told me in 2016, I noticed the landscape in the league shifting under my feet. I noticed my minutes going to younger guys. I noticed my opportunities being restricted and dwindling. I'm like, oh, the the end is coming quicker than than even I want or even than I expect. Um, I thought I was going to play till I was 45, 50 years old because I was going to be in shape and I was going to show these young guys how to do it. And I loved the game. Um, but the landscape in the league was shifting and Steve Young gave me some great advice. Steve told me, because uh, I, I went to shadow him in, in his career. Uh, HGGC just, he does a lot of, he's a very successful businessman. I went to shadow Steve and he said uh, one thing that just stuck with me. Um, don't go looking to replace hockey. 
If you do, you will search the rest of your life and you'll never find it. Appreciate hockey for what it is. Appreciate playing in front of 20,000 fans. Appreciate expressing yourself through the sport. Be grateful for it. And then go find something else that you love to do. And so that always stuck with me. So I think a lot of guys, when they leave hockey, are trying to replace it. And it's impossible to replace. This is the thing we do as kids that we love. We grow up doing it. Um, you play in front of 20,000 people every night. But that, that what Steve told me that day really echoed with me and stuck with me of not trying to replace it, but going to find something else that I loved. So then I tried a fitness app. I tried a podcast. I tried multiple other entrepreneurial endeavors and I liked them, but I didn't love them until I found world playground, which is what I am now an adventure guide. I take people all around the world on just bucket list adventures. And I'm like, ah, I found the thing I love. So I believe that I've found now my second career, um, which is an adventure guide and taking people just to the craziest places in the world to do the funnest things. So give us some examples. Where have you been lately? What are some of these crazy adventures? We got home from Tanzania five days ago. So we were in Africa for uh, my favorite adventure in planet Earth, the ultimate safari experience in Tanzania. Um, safari game drives, lions, cheetahs, leopards, rhinos, elephants, giraffes, you name it. Um, the safari is my favorite adventure on earth. And I took 26 members of my community over on the ultimate safari experience. Next month we go to Maldives. So if you guys, you want to get out of Edmonton, Jason, this is a good trip for you. Come to Maldives with us next month. Ooh. Frank, if Philly's not that warm in January either. Um, so we go to Maldives in January. We have a ski adventure in March. We go to Indonesia on the world's biggest and most luxurious Phoenicia yacht. We sail through Indonesia on a sailing and scuba diving trip in August or sorry, in uh, March. We go to Iceland in June. We're going to go to Dubai. We're planning an Antarctica trip next year, uh, uh, skiing in Antarctica, just crazy, fun, wild stuff. Um, and I book out these adventures and then, uh, open them up to my world playground community and then members from my community can jump on the adventure with us. Well, that uh, sounds like a long way away from Wawada, Saskatchewan. Brooks. <laughs> Wawada? Wawada? Yeah, Wawada. <laughs> yeah, that's a ways away from Wawada. Um, not a lot of, not a lot of my community is dying to go to Wawada to, uh, not a lot of adventure around there. We could, we could figure something out, but, um, yeah, we like, we, I just like doing bucket list stuff. I always had a bucket list and at the end of every hockey season, I had like one week to travel somewhere and I would look at my bucket list and be like, boom, let's go here and do this thing. And then I'd come back and start training and skating. And then when I got out of hockey, all of a sudden I had all kinds of time, uh, and didn't have to train or didn't have to work out and I could freely travel. And that's when I learned how much I loved travel. And now, um, now it's what I make my, my business at. Awesome. All right, Brooks, we always like to end uh, with rapid fire. And uh, the only rule oh. is you have, you have to answer the questions. All right. Okay. Rapid okay. fire. Yeah. Where, uh, which place on your bucket list haven't you been? Um, Patagonia. And what's there? What do you I want to go want to hike? It's, it's just want a chilly Patagonia, that whole, uh, I just want to hike uh, just raw nature, raw, rugged, wild, big nature. Okay. 
Um, now that you know what it entails to be a good CrossFitter, which one of your former Capital teammates would be the best CrossFitter? I think Joe Corvo actually went to the CrossFit Games. So I didn't play long with Joe Corvo, but I think Joe Corvo went to the CrossFit Games. Um, I think Jay Beagle would make a good one. And then uh, Brooks Orpik was a pretty phenomenal. He was a stud as well. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. You, of course, uh, saw lots of up close and personal when it came to dancing with the stars. Which one of your teammates do you think would have the dancing chops to compete or the willingness to try? Oh God, I would love to see Mike Green on that show. <laughs> I would love to see Mike Green do it. Greeny's my boy. I love Mike. And uh he had some wiggles back in the day. I would just I would I would sit front row every single night if Mike did that. Now you gave a great description before the pod. You were telling me just what it takes to be a good dancer and how it's so much different than being an athlete. How yeah. why explain that? just completely different language in the body. So, uh, athletic rhythm is, is one thing. Um, and hockey players have tremendous athletic rhythm. I mean, all, all professional athletes have athletic rhythm. Now, when you add music to it, it's a different interpretation. It's trying to find the rhythm, connecting the rhythm of your body to the rhythm of that song and, and making it flow in motion. And quite often athletes are very choppy when they go to dance, but like skating, they're extremely elegant or hitting a golf ball. They're extremely elegant. And it's just a, it's a very different language in the body. Um, being athletic doesn't mean that you are a fantastic dancer. And I know incredible world-class dancers that can't hit a golf ball or like serve a volleyball. It doesn't, doesn't correlate one way or the other. They're both extreme talents, but I have an immense respect for both of them. Um, dancing is a wonderful and amazing art form. And there's an, an exceptional amount of athleticism in that it's very different than sports athleticism. If you could go on one reality show, which one? Oh man. One reality show, something adventure related, like Bear Grylls, something like that. Um, my Naked brother and actually, actually, uh, I don't know about that one, Frank. Uh, my brother sent me a text the other day saying, Amazing Race 9 Canada is like looking for contestants. Would you want to go on this? And I was like, Hell yes, Jordan, let's go on that. Just because I want to see my brother in like, do this stuff. So he goes, we have to make a three minute video when we're together at Christmas. So we're going to Phoenix to see my mom and dad. Our whole family is going to be there. My parents winter and snowbird down in Phoenix. And so my brother and I, when we're in Phoenix over Christmas might be making a three minute pitch to amazing race Canada to get us on the show. I would love uh, to see my brother on that show. That would be so fun. Oh, that would be great. Uh, we'll, we'll be watching. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, do you have a favorite goal that Ovi scored? Oh, Jason, what a great question. I mean, there's the one in Phoenix, his rookie year. I think it was his, was it his rookie year. Yeah, when he's diving uh, and twisting landed. and turning and yeah. somehow gets it in. Yeah. I think it was like his 32nd or 33rd goal of the year, and the whole building just held their breath because Wayne was the opposite coach, right? Wayne was the coach and like everybody stopped because they couldn't believe what just went on. So I, I'll never forget the feeling in the building when he scored that, but I don't know if that's my favorite. I mean, he's, 
he scored just so many goals and you see it now. Like he scores. I don't think people understand how many goals he scores around the net. You think of the one timer, but now look at, look at his goals. Like he scores a tremendous amount of goals from seven feet around the net. He gets deflections. He gets a rebound. He gets another puck. He's able to find space, push off defenders. Like he's got an incredible knack around the net. Um, I'm trying to think of just, Man, he came just, he's just a, he comes down that wing. He comes down that left wing and he's so agile and he's going to go through you or around you, but either way you're, he's getting by you and then he's going to roof something like, it's just, I don't know, Jason, I don't know if I could pick one. Okay, I really don't ahead. know if I could pick one. It's such a, yeah, uh, let me think on it as we go through the rest of the questions, but he, he, I just nobody has ever enjoyed scoring more goals or scoring goals more than he has, and it's a joy to watch. Anybody and if you saw it, what was the best prank your teammates had on Ovi? <laughs> uh, there's two two come to mind. Um, we had Dale Hunter for half a season as a coach, and every Everybody's stats plummeted. I mean, we went from Bruce Boudreau where we had career years and then we had Dale Hunter and everybody's stats just plummeted. Um, and he, he called us a bunch of plumbers in a meeting or whatever or something. And um, I can't remember if it was Steve Eminger who it was, but took a plunger from the bath bathroom and taped it on Ovi's stick. Like he's a plumber and Ovi, Ovi practiced the entire practice with this plumber on this plunger on his stick. Um, so that like, it was just unbelievable. Like, that's what I mean. This, this guy just like, he operates on a different level. So like seeing him practice an entire practice with a plunger taped on his stick because the coach called him a plumber was amazing. Uh, but then there was another one, the year he was the, the year he was named captain. Um, it was training camp and we were asking, Oh, we're like, Oh, where are you going to take us for the captain's meal this year? Cause captain and assistants traditionally buy the first meal of the year for the guys. It's just a, a way of the leadership committee doing something nice for the guys. And we were asking, Oh, Oh, we can't wait for that captain's meal this year. And he goes, let's do it today. And we're like, okay, let's do it. And he goes, okay, sushi rock. Let's go. We're like, Okay. So he took all of training camp. We didn't tell him that this, we wait until the season to do this. He takes 63 players at training camp out for sushi and nobody told him. But, uh, so that was one of our favorite. Cause we were just like, this guy doesn't know he's going to have to do this again, but he's taking 60 some guys out for sushi at training camp. And then, you know, in two weeks from now, when we get the team settled, he's going to have to take us out for another nice supper. <laughs> but, um, I could go on forever on that one, Jason. There's a lot of fun stuff with that guy. Oh, hey, keep telling us another. What's another one of your favorite stories that maybe some fans in Washington haven't heard about Ovechkin? Oh, the the Mike Bossy one. Have you guys heard the Mike Bossy one? Nope. No. Oh, man. So we are in, I don't know, our maybe our second year or something. It's early on in our career. And we're at, we're in the aisle and we're playing the Islanders that night and it's morning skate. And this guy comes down, say hello. He's like, ask our trainer. He's like, can I, can I talk to Alex Ovechkin? And our trainer says, Oh yeah, sure. Please. I'll get him." And, um, Ovi goes and says, hi, shakes this guy's hand, his hand pleasurables, nice, like smile on his face and kind of whatever. And then anyway, little exchange for a couple minutes. And then he, guy walks away and they shake hands and he walks away and Ovi comes over to do his stick and I'm doing my stick. And I'm like, 
oh, do you know who that was? And he goes, I don't know, some Mike Bossy guy. And like, <laughs> he, did, he had no idea who Mike Bossy was. I was like, only the guy that holds the record for most 50-goal seasons in a row. Like, he just had no idea who Mike Bossy was, and he had just met Mike Boss. Mike Bossy wanted to meet him, and he shook his hand, but Ovi just had no clue. And it was just wonderful. It's just a blissful ignorance. It's beautiful. And then when you told him it was bossy, was he like, oh, that's it? No, no, no idea. No, just taped a stick, went on with his day. Well, I had a one-on-one interview with Ovechkin in 2009. He, you know, he'd had a few 50-goal seasons then. And I just asked him uh, near the end, I'm like, so Ovi, is there any other players in the you, you like to watch? Who, who do you like to watch? He goes, I only watch myself. <laughs> I know. And he was isn't, like, it, isn't it just it was, like what a way to go through it's, life it's, it's beautiful and refreshing in a sport where you can't get a hockey player and i was one of them I, you can't get a hockey player to mention anything like slightly controversial controversial or comical or anything outside of the standard blue collar answer and here comes this guy that was just like Big, big smile, gap tooth, hair all over the place. Just uh, like a, he was a breath of fresh air. And, and I was resistant to a lot of it. So a lot of it frustrated me for years until I just realized like, hey, this is how this guy does it. And, and his way is obviously working for him. And um, actually, I, I ended up lightening up a lot at the end of my career. He used to pick on me. Backstrom used to pick on me. Mike Green, they used to like, they used to get on me all the time because I was super intense and they were very relaxed and casual. And so it was a wonderful exchange both ways. I think we were, we were just very good for each other in a lot of ways that way. But um, how they handled the load just laughing their way through it was something I very much admire. And I wish I would have uh, learned that earlier on in my career. And lastly, to go full circle, uh, Brooks, what is your favorite CrossFit workout? Like, and do you like Fran? I've, I've actually never done a timed Fran. However, after hockey games, I used to do Fran all the time. Really? So we play in, yeah, we would play in New Jersey. Like the, every rink has a every rink has a few things, right? You've got a barbell, a few standard things that every rink must have. And after games, we had like five minutes to like do something quick before we had to be showering, getting on the bus to get on the plane to fly home. So after a game, I would just load up a ninety-five pound barbell and do twenty-one fifteen-nine uh, thrusters. Uh, pull-ups and then just go hit the shower. I never timed it. Still have never done a Fran as a timed workout. Um, favorite CrossFit workout? Uh, something with running and handstand walking. Probably running, echo bike, handstand walking. And then um, we were doing bar muscle-ups, ring muscle-ups today. That kind of stuff is fun. Just anything that's not just single-leg explosive bounding. I've done so much of that in my life. It's fun to do something else. Oh, man. I hate thrusters. So, uh, And you just do it oh. for fun. Oh, you're one of those guys. Oh, the worst. Well, uh, Jason, Jason, I don't know if I did them for fun. I just I yeah. did them because they were functional. But I don't know yeah, if well, I did that's them for fair. fun. They're fun- functional, yeah. but uh, terrible. I wasn't a professional athlete, so I didn't need to do them. But I had to do it for a workout, and I hated it every time. God, it was the worst. Uh, yeah, yeah, the worst. Well, this was not the worst, Brooks. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Some great stories. And uh, we might have to get you back on when Obi breaks the record because I think that's like it's truly remarkable. Even Ovechkin himself six years ago thought, nah, I don't think I can do it. And I think it was being honest because I don't think people thought he'd still score 50 into his mid to late 30s, but he's showing no signs of slowing down. It's ridiculous. 
It's unbelievable. Yeah. How he keeps going is unbelievable. And in my mind now, there's no doubt that he breaks it. It's not going to be this year. It's not going to be next year. It'll be the year after. Right. So if he, if he gets another 30 this year, that puts him at eight 30, he scores 50, 52 the year after he's at eight eighty something. Then it's going to be before Christmas, yeah. two seasons from now when two when calendar years it. from right now. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's, it's a, no one ever thought that record would be touched. Right. Like you just never thought like Wayne was so far ahead of everybody else. And now to think that this guy in, in the different eras that he's gone through and like how it got really tight, like scoring was way down and now it seems to have like loosened up, but like every year he was automatic at 50 is unbelievable. Um, and just so happy for him. I texted him the night he, he got 800 and on a hat trick too. I mean, just beautiful storylines and I'm rooting for him, man. I want him to break it. I would love for him to break it. Awesome. Brooks. Thanks so much, man. We love your passion. Awesome. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Brooks like man guys fired up and passionate. I love it. Like he's loving where his life is at and some great stories about Hobie. <laughs> I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I actually was also a CrossFitter at one point in my life. And I actually remember watching the CrossFit games and watching his girlfriend because she's, like I said, in the beginning of the show, like legitimately one of the most fit women on planet earth. And so I can't even imagine what that competition is like. Cause Brooks looks like he still shreds. Oh yeah. No, he's in really good shape, dude. And it's uh, like CrossFit's a different, I love doing it, but I just, um, I couldn't, well, I needed to do more back then. I need to do more shoulder mobility stuff. Cause I just, there's certain stuff I just was terrible at, but like thrusters, Oh, thr- thrusters are literally like of all the workouts, hate them. Even to this day, I still, anytime I have to do a thruster, I just don't like it. It's, a, it's interesting that he hit on it. Cause hockey players have some of the worst mobility. Shoulder mobility, ankle mobility. It's it's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. So, no, that was uh, exciting. Let's bring in uh, Ty for a rip-roaring edition of Buy or Sell. Ty, how you doing? I am doing great, guys. And I'm here as Buy or Sell, as always, delivered by our friends at DoorDash. You can use the promo code GAMEDAY25. Get yourself 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Shout out to DoorDash. Uh, Let's start with... the Metro division is getting very interesting right now. Um, I, I, It's tightening up, and I'm going to go ahead and say the New Jersey Devils will not win this division, despite the fact they got off to that great start. Are you buying or selling that, Frank? I will buy. I say the Carolina Hurricanes win the division. I've said this year in and year out that they are the most consistent team in the league. They have no blips. They may not win every game, but they don't go on three, four, six-game losing streaks. It doesn't happen. It's been amazing that Piotr Kochetkov has come in and has been practically invincible. The guy just wins. Clearly, they got ahead of themselves and in a smart way by signing Kochetkov to that contract. So he has four years after this one at a bargoon, $2 million a year. And the Devils, their streak was amazing. But if you look at the last handful of games or so as they've come back to earth, and including three losses in a row, their save percentage is back in the 800s. And that was always one of the big question marks about this Devils team is would they be able to find a way to continue that excellence in net? And so far the answer is no. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I would sell for sure. Then I'm going to win the division. Um, Carolina. We. I think I was with Frank. We both picked them to win the division at the start of the year. You know, they won again. They beat Pittsburgh today, and Pittsburgh had come in. Pittsburgh was red hot on uh, up until their win tonight. The Rangers are on the verge of uh, crushing, so they're going to win seven in a row, and that means you will have then the four teams within four points of one another, and and that's with the Devils winning 21 of their first 26 games, guys, and they have a, a four point cushion really no cushion over Carolina um I still think they built enough cushion that they'll be a playoff team but uh Frank points out their goaltending I just I didn't think it was realistic for New Jersey to go from a team that's barely been a playoff team for a decade to suddenly dominating the whole year long right like eventually they were going to come back to earth and the other teams have woken up like the Rangers off to a slow start they're killing it right now Pittsburgh and Carolina so I think ultimately the Devils will probably be a wildcard team so here's how good Carolina has been. New Jersey won 13 in a row. They both have now played the same number of games, 31, and have the exact same points percentage. Crazy. It is crazy. Um, I'll have odds on that in uh, just a second here. A second area I want to touch on with you guys. A lot of talk about Matty Beneers being the favorite for the Calder Trophy. Understandably so. He's got like, what, 26 points in 29 games? 23 points in 29 games this year. But how about Logan Thompson? I'm going to go ahead and say he's getting overlooked in the Calder Trophy race, and he should be the favorite. You buying or selling on that, Jason? It's a very valid question. And, you know, it's hard to compare, you know, like rookies um, to uh, to goaltenders. And the other guy is no one even talks about him because no one really watches. But uh, Matt Shelley, uh, I, might, I might even butchered his name, in, in Arizona, man. Like, that guy's two points behind. And, you know, he's not on a team. He pr- I don't think he has the same supporting cast that, uh, that Manny Beneers has. And, and he's really come out of nowhere, right? Beneers at least had some hype and, based on last year. But I will buy on Logan Thompson. Like, he, he's playing a tougher position as a rookie. And I know that he got some experience last year, and it's the weird rookie rule, but he qualifies as a rookie. And uh, if he can maintain it, I, I, you know, I think he's going to come back to earth a little bit here. But if he maintains it, yeah, I think it's a good run because none of the, the rookie forwards or defensemen are absolutely blowing the doors off points-wise. Exactly. Frank? Yeah, I would buy and say Thompson should be in the pole position right now for the Calder. And the reason for that is also just because – Think of last year while they had all their injuries. That's all everyone was saying heading into the season is, I don't buy or trust Vegas' goaltending. And if he's able to steady that, he's got a 917 that he's been kicking so far this season. If he's able to maintain that for the rest of the year, he, sh- you know, and the Golden Knights are obviously in the playoffs and, and likely at that number winning the division, then he should be winning the Calder. Finally, uh, this came over the weekend. John Tortorella healthy scratched their leading scorer, Kevin Hayes, for their game. I'm just going to ask you guys, you buying or selling that move from Torts, Frank? Selling? I, I, I don't understand what John Tortorella is doing, what kind of message he's trying to send. I understand Kevin Hayes had the turnover in the previous game, and he's been benched a few times in third periods this season. But in, in a week span, he healthy scratched a 60-point defenseman in Tony D'Angelo, who had no problem playing last year for one of the best teams in the league in Carolina. Now you take a team that already struggles to score and sit the leading scorer for what? As Keith Yandel said today on a video clip that he had posted to the Spit and Chicklets channel, perhaps <laughs> it's time for John Tortorella to be a healthy scratch for a game as well. <laughs> yeah, it's... I. 
I understand that you want to try to send messages as a coach and I get, you've only got so many you know, nails to hammer on uh, as a coach during the year, but this one just seemed like now, unless Kevin Hayes or something else going on that we don't know that, you know, maybe the coaches asked him to do something. He just continually doesn't do it. This one is a very much a head scratcher to me. Um, wh- whether you like it or not, there, there are different levels of accountability. You can, you can call out a veteran player like, like Hayes, I think in the room, maybe more and not crush him like you could a rookie per se, but you're, you're really, I know the he's trying to say, Hey, anybody can be benched. So all of you react and it, and it is easier to, you know, if you want to get teams attention, that works more than benching the fourth line guy all the time. Oh, we're going to take this guy to the lineup again for the 15th time. That does nothing. But I still, based on his play, it didn't, it doesn't match uh, the plan. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'd be curious to know what the long-term plan is from this. How do you possibly make the argument to your team and your organization and your fan base that you're trying to win? That's what he keeps saying. Well, you know, this isn't not necessarily about one game. It's about what we're building here as a culture. It's like, what does that even mean? Are you trying to win or are you not taking a 60 point defenseman and taking your leading score out of your lineup just to flex your own muscles? All that proves is you look like a jackass. Well, and also it's not like they're only losing because they're terrible defensively or anything like that. They can't score. So you take both those guys out of the lineup. Oh, you can't score. Like, it, it just made no sense. I'm absolutely selling on that move as well. It was mind-boggling. Uh, no points big Canada bonus question, but I do have odds for two of the things I asked you guys about. The New Jersey Devils, still their favorites to win the Metropolitan Division at plus 140. Carolina right behind them, plus 155. That is that is a tempting bet. And over in the Calder Trophy race, they got Maddie Beniers as the favorite at 2-1. to one. Logan Thompson at 5.5-1. to one. Pyotr Kochetkov sitting in third at 7-1. to one. So you can check it out if you're in Ontario. They are live in Ontario. Shout out to PointsBet Canada and DoorDash for another edition of Buy or Sell. I've been throwing down the 7-1 to in Kochev. That guy is on fire uh, right now. And, um, hey, you know what? He's got a really good team in front of him, so that's going to help you. Uh, he's playing well. The team's playing well. I would... Uh, and no offense to Devils fans have had a great start, and I still think they're a playoff team, but Carolina is just a deeper team, let's be honest. And, and no offense to Matty Beniers either. I didn't want anyone to think that I was taking anything away from his season because it's been incredibly impressive. And to, to finish on the type of pace that he's looking at sort of in that 65 to 70 point range, to step in as a rookie is unbelievable um, for someone that we may not have considered the quote unquote generational talent or anything like that. So he's going to be a great player in this league for a long time. I just think with the pressure Vegas was facing with Thompson, that for him to step into that spot and deliver at that position it's hard to do, and it's hard to do with any measure of consistency. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch that race come together. And, hey, watch out for the Rangers. They have uh, they seem to have figured things out a little bit in New York right now. Uh, winners of uh, crushing the Blackhawks. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday night, and uh, they're crushing the Blackhawks as we speak. So that'll be seven in a row for them. Shesterkin's game is back to, to where we all expected it to be. And, yeah, the uh, the Rangers are uh, they're going in the right direction, Frank, for sure. So uh, that race between uh, them and you know Pittsburgh, same thing. Like the top four teams, uh, it's going to be a good race. Uh, there's at least a race this year in the East, unlike no last season, which is nice. So uh, big thanks to uh, Brooks Like uh, once again. Uh, love his passion, fired up. Guys enjoying life, and 
Might have, if you're looking for some adventures, I'd have to track down Brooks and get on some of those adventures, man. I'd love to. I've always wanted to go on safari. That is my one bucket list. I, I know my wife and I have talked. Once our son is is old enough to get all the, the right shots and he'll remember it, we're going to go. So I uh, might have to talk to Brooks in a few years. Hopefully I'll have some good recommendations on where to go. Tanzania. I love it. Frank, have yourself. Well, actually, we uh, uh, we will talk to you on Friday. And then, of course, uh, we'll be off next Monday, of course, for uh, Christmas. So uh, have a good week, Frank. And the uh, the trade deadline comes tomorrow. Uh, the freeze, anyway. I don't think there'll be any moves. Yeah, I don't think we need to worry about that. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. you got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first, and you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.